Hunter. Hello and welcome in to the Lunch Pail Draft Cast with myself and Jacob Infante. We are back again like we never left with another set of positional breakdowns for you. Today we're going to be starting off, well, staying in the defensive backfield, I guess, starting off with our safeties and moving out to one of the deeper positions in this class, if I had to guess, and that's the cornerback position. Jacob, how are you this fine morning? It is 11 o'clock on Friday, the week before draft week. I'm doing great, Danny. Uh, it's been a, a busy couple weeks, but honestly, I'm, tell me about it. <laughs> I'm loving. It. <laughs> I, I mean, you've been busy with more important things the last couple weeks than I have. Me being in my freaking, you know, my college bubble over here. But uh, yeah, my favorite not, '90s band, the College Bubble. The College <laughs> Bubble. Yeah, they do like a they do like cover songs of uh, Stacy's mom and whatever. Yeah, it's all there are fountains of Wayne cover band is what they are. That's exactly God. And we are less than a minute in, and we're we've got a fountains of Wayne reference. What are we doing with our lives? Okay, this is is sad. This is we are God college kid and grown adult doing their absolute best. All right, (laughs) running theme here. So that's all that matters. Yeah, that's all that matters. I guess we should start off. I guess easy. There's one consensus top safety in this pick and in this pick guys no in, in this class and that's Kyle Hamilton Notre Dame and i i did find it funny when he ran allegedly like a, the high 4 sixes low 4 sevens at his pro day the world like went crazy and they're like he's slow don't draft him and i'm just sitting there like did anyone watch him like yeah. and obviously i'm saying that completely facetiously obviously people have watched him i think when it's all said and done, I'm still kind of putting final touches on the top, whatever. I don't really do a big board because you don't know how different teams value different players. But if I had to give you a player I viewed as the best, I'm going to probably have him close to, if not the best prospect in this draft. It's just unfortunate that he plays the safety position. Yeah, I know. And I think that there's a strong argument to be made that he's the best pure talent in this class. I mean, he's, he's freaking huge. And that's, some like, and I mean that in the, the best possible way. He's like, yeah, it's not like he, he's not fat. He's just a massive human being. He's jacked, and it's insane. And I mean, yeah, sure, because he's as big as he is, he's not going to run like a blazing four three or anything. Uh, but you watch him on tape, and the play speed is really good. Like you're looking at a guy who processes really quickly, who can act upon his reads, and. Not only that, he's got insane ball skills. He's a good tackler. He hits hard. I mean, what's not to like? I think that, you know, we're both in agreement, obviously. He's the consensus top safety, and it's not a debate. It's just a matter of how high does he go? How much do teams value the safety? Right. It, it's very similar. Not, not, not really acquiescing and saying that they're the same player so much as it's kind of similar to Jamal Adams a few years ago, right? Like yeah. where it's like he's clearly the best defensive player or de- defensive backfield player in the in the draft. Where do you take him? Yeah, Be- and you know we've since seen Jamal Adams traded and extended, and he had a bit of a fall off this year in regards to previous production when it was like the on off splits for like the Jets when when Jamal Adams was playing, it was like ridiculous how good he made <laughs> that defense. But I, I digress. I could make the argument that you should take him number one overall. 
because of the on-field production, because of the physical talent, because of this. The, the issue you run into is positional value always overtakes when you're starting to do these evaluations. Yeah. Safeties, by and large, you can kind of find all over the map because they all like, – I, I think I finally heard someone put it the best, and it was listening to the athletic football show of Robert Mays. It's not that safeties are undervalued or devalued. It's that they're all kind of becoming interchangeable where they all kind of do the same things well. It's a matter of what's your football IQ? What, how smart are you on the field? And obviously, I'm, I'm, mu- I'm putting that into a much more condensed thought than they did on a 40-minute conversation. But it, it's kind of true. But I think Hamilton is that way. Yeah, no, most certainly. And I think that the guy with his skill set, he's really scheme versatile, whether you want to have him as, you know, a single high safety, two high safety, work him in that center fielder type role, work him underneath, play him in the box, you know, even in the slot, rushing off the edge, whatever. I think you could play him in a lot of different roles. And uh, you mentioned Jamal Adams. I think it's a similar situation to like a Derwin James coming out. And I don't, you know, there's there are some similarities with those games it's not a perfect comparison but and just generally it's a really talented defensive back everybody knows how good this guy is just a matter of how do teams value safety we also have to remember what in regards to when you're evaluating a safety's athleticism or an athlete in general in the nfl we 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 focus so much on the how fast they are in a straight line when sometimes you really have to be reminded how many times in a game is a guy running 40 yards in a straight line. Yeah. Like it's, it's a good, it is a good baseline to have an idea of how fast is this guy, but even with the slower 40 time bordering in the four sixes, whatever Kyle Hamilton's RAS or relative athletic score was a 9.3. He was 6'4", 220 pounds, with a 38-inch vertical and a 10-foot-11 broad jump. This man almost broad jumped 11 feet. To sit here and say he's not as athletic as you think, is it's doing him a disservice. Just because he's not as fast in a straight line as you want to slot, even, even though when you watch him, he's not slow. Like, he's getting to where he needs to go. I, I don't know. I, I think we've gotten to... Uh, well, obviously not think we know we've gotten to the point in draft season where everybody's overthought and we've nitpicked people to the point where you can't get a word in of goodness without saying, Oh yeah, but, Oh yeah, but well, yeah, none of these guys have played it down in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. But. And I, I, I think that's a big reason where, you know, you're looking at Kayvon Thibodeau falling and like, granted, sure. There's stuff about effort and, you know, just the general work ethic, but. If I'm not mistaken, that's been a thing for a while. And you just watch his tape over the last couple of years. He was really good. I want to say this year, if he wasn't at the top, he was top five in the nation in pressure rate. He's consistently getting into the backfield. I know this isn't an edge episode, so I could go on and on about how Kayvon Thibodeau's, you know, dropping down boards, and I don't think it's warranted. But I, I think you're seeing, to a similar extent, kind of the same thing with Kyle Hamilton. And I, I truly believe that there's going to be some team that is going to take him arguably where he shouldn't be falling, but they're going to be able to get him just because people are tired of talking about him because he's been so good for so long. Right. Well, I guess that we can't really say much about 
Hamilton that the masses hasn't already said. So I guess we should just move on to um, the next group. Cause I think Hamilton, you and I would agree are in the same to use a Ryan Paceism, the same cloud there he's in his, or he's in his own cloud. The next group where you get to like the second through fifth or sixth guys, they're all kind of the same in terms of where you could, it's what's your flavor. Like, do you want this? Do you want that? Um, and I, to me, when I watch him, if I were an NFL drafting team or GM, the number two safety in this class is Lewis Seen from Georgia. And the falloff, in my opinion, from Hamilton to Seen is pretty significant. Yeah. But I think he's a really solid, good football player. He's good in coverage. He knows how to read read routes, and he breaks on the ball well. He's not the best athlete, but um, he does enough to get himself in position to make the play. I I don't know how good – like, it's easy to make the comparison of – on tape, he reminds me a little bit of Adrian Amos, probably because he just kind of moves that way, and Amos was a really solid, fluid athlete. And, yeah. More of a box safety. It's probably a bit disingenuous to him, if I'm being completely honest, but that's kind of who I see when I watch him especially because I think you could use him as the overhang defender because he is such a good, good tackler and whatnot. Um, And he's just, he's just a kind of like what we were saying about Hamilton. He's a smart player. He, he reads and diagnoses. He's never, he's seldom fooled off, off play action and stuff like that. It takes a lot to really get, get him kind of out over his skis as it were, where he's kind of guessing versus playing, especially when you watch him against your current university, his tape against Mizzou is, ridiculous (laughs) ridiculous <laughs> you're welcome yeah thanks for thanks for bringing that up and making me realize that mizzou's never going to be georgia's hard as we try but you know i think that with this safety class there's you know to use what you said you know, that ryan pay said like that's cloud i think that there's a tier two in this class and there's about four guys i'd reliably put in there and you I have it at three or four as well. It just depends on who, how you feel about the last one or yeah. the one I would have is last in there, oh, which we're going to get there, folks. Yeah, Don't worry. We'll, we'll make our way over there. Uh, and I think you could definitely make an argument for Lewis Seen being the uh, second best safety in this class. Uh, for all intents and purposes, I have Jaquan Brisker as my safety too, but the separation Ooh. between him and Lewis Seen isn't very high in my opinion. So I you know, can't knock that in the slightest. I think, with senior looking at a, a well-rounded guy, someone who's, you know, sound in coverage, you know, good athlete, maybe not elite, but he, he gets the job done. He's a willing and reliable tackler. I think he is a little skinny, but he's got good length, uh, solid overall processor. I think there's a lot to like in his game. And mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a glaring weakness with him. Cause I mean, there are things that he's better at than not. I, you know, I think that, he still has a little bit to improve in terms of ball skills. Uh, but I don't think that there's anything I can say, okay, he's terrible at this. And I think that that's going to get him taken probably early round two. And I, I mean, again, yeah. we'll see what happens with how the board plays out, but I think that's pretty good value for him. And that's about grade wise where I have him on my board right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting to hear Brixker as the second guy because I actually have him as – I think I've alternated him, but I think I've got him as the fourth safety in this class. But, again, it's 
how do you feel about someone? Cause after, for me personally, after, after Lewis seen, who's my safety too, I have Daxton Hill from Michigan. And I, I really like Daxton Hill because of the versatility he offers. There's not a whole lot that he didn't do. Yeah. Like he, he's physically played in the slot. He played, he played safety, dime backer, all those sorts of things. And he really kind of made himself distinguishable in that regard because of the versatility, almost like to use a bit of a easy comp, but not like the same level of player, a little bit like Jabril Peppers without like the hoopla in a way. He's a, you know, he's, Really, he's really fast, and that shows up on in pads on tape. Um, He's an aggressive, physical tackler, almost to the point where it gets him in trouble. Like he gets himself he he kind of overruns plays and and gets himself into a bit of a into a pickle here and there. But I'd much rather have someone who's willing to put his face into somebody and overshoot his hand once in a while versus a safety who doesn't want to hit anybody. Yeah. You know, not that yeah. Bears fans have gotten accustomed to anything like that. Um, I guess I worry with the brand of football he plays, though, is he's he's slight. Like he's six foot, one hundred ninety pounds. Like that's not the biggest safety for the the style that he does play. And he's a little bit tight in the hips. He. You know, he, he doesn't turn and run well, probably why he is so good at coming downhill because it's almost not, I don't want to say a way of compensating, but it's the thing he's good at. So it's always just something he does. And he is yeah. for, and, but, for, but for what he does, how do I phrase this? For what he lacks in hip mobility, he does have good footwork. So he's able to, to mirror. So to this day, one of the best corners I've ever watched in terms of just mirroring with his footwork was actually a guy who played for the Giants and the Bears later in his career and that's Prince Amukamara. Prince had great like Prince wasn't the best physical whatever corner he had some amazing feet which is why he was so hard to get off of made him really sticky in coverage as it were Um, but overall I've got Dax Hill as my third safety in this class just behind Lewis Cena and obviously Kyle Hamilton And I, I kind of like him where I like him because I think he's kind of in a way, easy plug and play where you can just bring him in and you can have him play the nickel backer or the dime backer or or nickel back or safety. And you can kind of use him as a Jack of all trades, master of none to just get him acclimated. Now, eventually do you want to maybe settle him down into one spot? Maybe, but you, you also can play, play your advantage when he's first coming into the league, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And I'll just point out, we do have, we have the exact same top four in safeties. Uh, it's just, you know, different ordering, but we have the same guys up there. Cause I do have Daxton Hill at number three as well. I just had Brisker and scene flipped, but I think with Hill, I think you summed it up perfectly. So I won't repeat what you said, honestly, too much. Uh, but yeah, I think that you're looking at blazing speed, a high motor. Yeah. He's a bit skinny. And I think that the route recognition can still improve a little bit. I think that's uh, the one area in his game where I can look at and say, okay, you know, he's still a bit of a work in progress there, but you're just looking at an insane athlete, a high motor player, a versatile guy. Uh, Again, I think he does go somewhere around two, like early mid round two. 
uh, just because of that. I think that some teams can mm-hmm. say, oh, we can play him just about anywhere. He's got so much uh, formational versatility. We've got a lot we can work with with him. So uh, I'm definitely a fan of his. I think that there's a lot of upside uh, with his profile going forward. I agree. Um, so you already covered uh, my next safety in Jaquan Brisker. I guess we can move on. Who do you have as your last one in that cloud of that, like, that, those next three or four? Okay, so I think that this is a little bit of a more unpopular opinion because I know Jalen Petrie and Brian Cook have been getting a lot of looks. Uh, but mine's actually Kirby Joseph out of Illinois. It's my wow. safety. Okay. And <laughs> this is one of those situations where, like, do I – like, is he the best athlete out there? Is he the fastest guy out there? No. But I, I you just watch him on tape, and it's like one of those cases, if he got that dog in him, you know? Like he got that dog in him. <laughs> like the the metrics might not love it. The uh, you know the advanced analytics thing. Okay, you know he'd be solid, but this dude's a football player, man. Like I, I watch him on tape. We got ourselves a football player. Exactly. Sorry, I just thought of remember the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that you have a guy who processes quickly with fluid hips, really good ball skills. I think he can make a difference at the next level. And is he as, you know, scheme versatile as someone like a Daxton Hill or a Lewis scene or a Jaquan Brisker? No, I don't think he is. I think that uh, in what he can do is going to be a bit more limited. I do like him a lot more, you know, up high in those roles. I don't think you can play him in the slot super often. I don't think you can play him in the box or what have you. I think, uh, you just take advantage of what he offers in coverage. He's just very sound, good ball skills. When you throw the ball up in the air, he attacks it like a receiver, in my opinion. Just the way that he squares up and high points the ball, he contorts himself to take the best possible angle. Uh, I think there's a lot to like there. And again, like I said, I know that I'm pr- probably in the minority with that, uh, but the, I'm willing to accept that. I think that there's a guy that, uh, he can be a solid contributor in the league. His ceiling isn't as high as some of the other guys we've talked about, but I think he can be a good player in the league. Right. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I I have him, I think, two or three spots lower than you have. I don't have my my actual rankings finalized yet, but I, that's probably where he'll end up. Um, my fourth safety is actually a guy you did mention, and that's uh, Dalen Petrie. Um, I hesitate to call him a safety kind of in the same vein that Daxton Hill is like, he's a bit of a, again, an overhang defender. Um, What I do like about him is the, the thing that stands out most, at least when I watch him is his physicality. They use him a lot on like nickel blitzes coming off the edge and he's pretty effective at it. All things considered, you know, considering he's, what is he? 511, 200 pounds. Like he's not the biggest guy, um, but he is physical and he just, it, it, he will meet running backs at the point of attack. He's not afraid of mixing it up and getting himself involved in that ability to get, get himself involved in the game of football and being physical as where he also, I do, I do like that. He, um, you know, pretty good feet gets yeah. himself in position, stays, stays in position. Um, I don't I I don't think he's 
like stupendous. Like I, I could justify him in the middle of the late second round, but I could also see him falling into the third, you know, I like something that I know teams are going to like about him is coming up through the Baylor program. He did play a ton of special teams, which just gives him more value oh, yeah. because, because yeah. a lot of times younger players, while they're picking up playbooks, they're going to have to play special teams. It's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Um, so he's my fourth safety. Um, I like him a lot more. Like if you're using him almost, like as an aggressive, like an aggressive downhill nickel versus a true safety or an yeah. overhang defender, however you want to say it. I actually did find it funny that our friend Brandon Robinson has such an affinity for him, considering Brandon is the Mister I don't like physical defensive backs brand guy. Like <laughs> his his brand is all coverage, all ball skills, screw tackling, and you know he he, he Petrie has some ball skills now. But yeah. that's not where he makes his money, like in the league. He's going to make his money doing things that, as a physical slot corner or dime backer or in the box safety, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, not, not actually. Too- now that I think about it, how I'm saying it, he kind of sounds like Kirkland brand Jamal Adams. Okay, yeah, <laughs> just a little <laughs> bit. Like they put him in the they put him in the dryer a little bit. He shrunk an inch or two. And he's nowhere near as good. Like he's just (laughs) Kirkland brand Jamal Adams. Exactly. And I know that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Continuing on. No, yeah, no. Uh, Yeah. And again, I I won't spend too much time on him. Again, I think you hit the nail on the head with him. I think that uh, he's a smart guy, plays hard, hard hitter, can play in a lot of different alignments. Uh, I don't think he's an elite athlete. I, that's why I have around three on him. Uh, But I, I could justify like late second round, honestly. Yeah, mid to sec, mid to late second round. It depends on who loves him, because you know as well as I do, Jacob. Some of these coaches they have an affinity for certain makeups and molds, and the you know Pace famously had the Bears box that they were looking to fill. Yeah, someone could see that mentality and the way he plays the game of football, and that's a tempo setter. That's a culture. Yeah, well, no, maybe no, not no. a culture, but a tempo setter and, and a guy that can help uphold what you're doing. Yeah. But anyway, your next one. So my next guy uh, would have, it would have to be Brian cook out of Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, that was my next one too. Yeah. So that's, that's my top seven right there. Uh, And, you know, we've talked about each and every one, but Brian cook, he's a guy that I look at. He just screams Matt Eberflus to me. I Eberflus. It's such a, it's such a fun name to say Eberflus. Like, that's awesome. I, I just like I've said it, you know, dozens and dozens of times at this point. But it just kind of it's very, it's very German of you, sir. It's very exactly. German of you. Yeah, that's Eberflus. Yeah. Ah. Nah. Yeah, I, I don't well, want to be. I don't want to be offensive to our German listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think you're looking at Brian Cook as a guy that. Is he the greatest athlete? Maybe not, but he's lengthy. He's smart. He plays hard. I think he's one of the, you can make an argument. He's one of the hardest hitting safeties in this class plays with a high motor on a consistent basis, takes solid angles uh, to the ball as a tackler. And he's good in coverage too. He's maybe not this all world safety type of guy. You can cover like the entire field, 
but he's good. He's good in coverage. And especially when you have him in like a too high setting where, you know, he doesn't have to cover uh, as much necessarily. I think that you're looking at a guy who can play reliably there and he's someone I do have a round three on. I think that there's a little bit of limitations in terms of that uh, just overall range. But again, you're looking at a guy who's sound, he's lengthy, he's aggressive, tackles well. There's a lot to like with him. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, Brian Cook is actually probably one of my two – him or Jackson Hill was probably my favorite safety to watch. Like, Hamilton's easy. Like, he's just such a good player. Like, yeah, everyone's going to like him kind of thing. But yeah. I really enjoyed Brian Cook's uh, tape, and I also enjoyed – I also kind of like his story. Like he had to come up through the Cincinnati program. You know, he wasn't just, he didn't just show up and was just handed the keys to the starting safety spot. Like he played special teams. He worked his way up the the depth chart, learned the playbook, became a team captain, became the emotional leader of that defense. He like became everything. And to me, that guy, I used the term culture set culture setter earlier. um, And I meant more like tempo, like how you play. I think Cook is a culture setter. That's a guy you bring in and he immediately changes how you think and play on defense. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's – you can't say it any better than that, honestly. Just watching the demeanor that he plays with, like, he's nasty, you know? he's Dude, he's revved up all the time. Exactly. I wish I could attack anything in life with the tenacity and the sheer aggressiveness that Brian Cook attacks the game of football because, man, oh, man, he's he's a heat-seeking missile. Yeah, he gets to you with malicious intentions, all of it. Yeah. Like, okay, so I guess we should move on to a couple mid, a mid-round guy or two we both like. Or not both, like, we don't have to, like, agree on we. I know sometimes for our listeners, they, I'm sure they think we always agree. We always agree. Like, no, it's just friendly conversation. Like we have different safety ratings that it's just, we're, we want to focus on the positive, not the negative. So who is Jacob, your mid round guy? Like I, I want to say Nick cross, but I, I think he's moved into like the territory of second or third round pick. And that's really, that's a day two pick. I'm talking who's a day three guy that you think is, Maybe not necessarily a diamond in the rough, but like that fourth or fifth round guy who can come in and maybe make yourself a little bit of dough. Yeah. So I don't know exactly where he goes for full disclosure. I have like an early fourth on this guy. Uh, and I, it's t- I can't really call him a sleeper when, you know, he got invited to the senior bowl and literally had the game clinching interception in that game. But is he I'm, a Red Hawk? <laughs> he is not. He's not. Oh. Actually. I, although I do like Sterling Weatherford. I do like him a lot. That's where I thought I thought that's where you were going. <laughs> I no, but he, he's a he's a fun guy to watch, though. I'm not going to lie. But oh, he's uh, awesome. He's huge. <laughs> I get it. You can make him a good argument. You can put him at linebacker. Like. He's not going to look out of place there, but no, uh, my guy I'm going to go with is JT Woods out of Baylor. And he's very different from Sterling Weatherford, actually. Uh, he's, a, he's one of those guys like we mentioned, uh, tackling be damned. This guy can play in coverage and, you know, he's a skinnier guy. He's got good length. 
uh, though, and just the range is impressive to me. He's a really good athlete. He's fast. He's explosive coming out of his breaks, really good ball skills. What's not to like in that guy in coverage? And you, again, I, I don't know necessarily if he's, he's not very physical uh, just in general. I think that you get him underneath, you get him uh, in man coverage. He can struggle uh, with more physical receivers from time to time, but from an athlete perspective, from someone who can go and attack the ball, that's a guy right there. And again, dude, dude, yeah. And that's the type of guy, like, I don't think he's going to go super high because obviously he has his limitations. He's generally one dimensional in that he's good in coverage and can't play the run very well. But if that's what you value at safety, then that's a guy you're going to like JT Woods is one of, at least in my opinion, one of the better coverage safeties in this class. Yeah, I could see that. I totally can see that. Um, I'm actually going to jump to a different area of the country here. Uh Well, not different area, I guess depends on how you just how you define Kentucky as South or Midwest. I tend to define it as the Midwest for some strange damn reason. Cause I'm stupid. Otherwise um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to jump to Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, Yusuf Corker. Mm. Uh, Yusuf was a corner when he first got to the wildcat program under Mark Stoops, not Bob Stoops. I got to make sure I get that right because that's disingenuous folks. Different Don't Stoops. call him his brother. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, he was a really he was a fairly big time recruit as a corner coming there. He's a four star, which was like right when not right when, but not too long after Stoops got to got to the Wildcats. Um, but for his, so I want to first start by saying he is a out of the box plug and play. This is what a safety physically should look like. He's six feet tall. He's two hundred and three, two hundred and five pounds. He's, yeah, he kind of just looks ordinary out there. He doesn't like, like Sterling Weatherford stands out when you watch. He needs a lot of work, but he stands out. Yusuf Corker kind of doesn't. Like, he kind of just looks like a football player playing in the back end. And I I mean that in like the most bland way possible. He's playing Jane in, in terms of how he looks. And then you start watching him. And a lot of my favorite players, especially in the secondary, maybe because I just never really learned to value coverage and sit in safeties the way I should, Um, which I'm not saying it's invaluable. I just really enjoy watching guys hit. Yusuf Corker brings the wood. He comes downhill like a bat out of hell, and he just wants to hurt you. He he gets into the alley. He he tries to separate man from football. He is any and even then, like if you watch him, like when he's covered up against safeties or covered up against tight ends at the safety position, he's really good at like jockeying for position. He's not just giving things away when he's playing. He's he's making you earn and fight for not every yard, but every inch. You have to fight him to get to where you want to go. Now that that does lead to being a little bit handsy, and that could lead to handsy is pass interference or defensive holding, but he's also a team captain. He, 
He, uh, I think he is older though, which is a, probably a reason I would knock him down to the mid fourth, early fifth round. Yeah. I really enjoy how he plays though. Um, not the best in coverage. He's probably more of your classic box safety, even though he does have the speed to turn and run back up when he gets burnt. Um, but just not, just not great in coverage. He super aggressive wants to hit you my style of safety. If you're going to go later in the, in the draft, because at least I know that that demeanor, if he doesn't play much on, on the defensive unit, he'll be valuable on special teams. Yeah. Yeah, no, most certainly. And I think that Corker is the type of guy who, you know, regardless of whatever role he plays on defense, he's going to be valuable on special teams. And I'll just point out, I'm a little disappointed because you said he brings the wood and I said, pause, and you didn't hear me either. You didn't hear me or you no sold the joke that I was trying to make. I and- definitely no sold it. <laughs> <laughs> I ignored you. I <laughs> And that's probably smart. That's probably smart on your end. But, you know, I think you summed him up perfectly. Uh, I'm good to dig into some late round safety because I think there are some intriguing dudes that you could get. I would agree with you. And I think that's actually the more I think on him. I I don't know where to put Sterling Weatherford. I think he's intriguing more so because of his size and his build and his athleticism that goes with it versus – the actual on-field production. So if that's where you're going to go, floor is yours. If not, we don't have to talk about him at all because I think we've already kind of – we haven't buried the lead, so to speak. Yeah, you know, and I mean, we've – uh, we've been pretty honest. Like we've, we've talked about Weatherford a good amount, you know, good athlete, hits hard, good angles, all that stuff, big dude. Uh, I think that sums it up well. There is one guy I want to talk about quickly who kind of fits in that somewhat similar mold. Uh, not as bulky, but, you know, very good length still. And that's Isaiah Polamalu out of uh, USC. And this is a guy, he's he's Troy Polamalu's nephew. And it's interesting to me because their last names are spelled differently, but they're pronounced very the same. similarly. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, he's like, what, 6'3", 6'4", 200 pounds. And, and he tackles well, but he also has uh, loose hips. He's the type of guy who can – you know, you get him in cover two, he can break to the sidelines and consistently make plays there. Uh, pretty good blitzer too. And even though I think, you know, he's a, he's a decent straight line athlete, maybe not great, doesn't take the best angles. So I think uh, he may be disappointed this year at USC compared to at least where I had him heading into the year, but I still think he's a guy who's going to get draftable looks. So uh, Isaiah Polamau is the guy I want to talk about there. Uh, I won't go too in deep to him because we got a lot of corners and stuff to dig into, but uh, Isaiah Polamau is, I think, a guy uh, kind of forgotten in this draft process, but I think there's a good chance he goes day three. Oh, for sure. I, I don't dislike Polamalu at all. I think he's probably a fairly solid football player, um, but he's later in the draft. Well, and I'll give you my late round guy, and I'm sure it shouldn't come as any shocked knowing is knowing who I like and how I like football players to be. And, you know, the things of that nature. And that is smoke Monday mm. smoke was uh, kind of brought to the attention of mo- most of bears fans a couple weeks back or a week or so back when um, he was mocked to the bears. And I believe it was the seven mouth seven round mock draft by Dane Brugler. Um, and 
they kind of ran away with it and maybe other people are higher on him than I am. I, I like him as like a sixth round guy. Like he, he's got, you know, good build. He's only, he's six, one and a half, almost 210 pounds. Uh, he's super fast and comes downhill again with super, with a bunch of urgency, like an absolute bat out of hell. Yeah. He actually, believe it or not, one of the things that stood out to me when I, um, was watching him is he doesn't allow himself to get bullied by bigger, by bigger blockers. Like if, if a tight end gets to him or like a fullback or something gets to him, he does actually stand up for himself and, you know, quote unquote, set an edge if he has to, like he, he does do that fairly well. Um, he, he's got some decent ball production. Like I think in his career, he had four or five interceptions. I don't have, uh, the exact number in front of me, including I do remember he had a hundred yard touchdown interception return in mm. 2020, but you know, he, I don't think he's anything special. He just lacks some stuff. He drops his eyes sometimes when he's coming to hit. Cause he's not, he's not worried about wrapping up so much as blowing people up, which I, again, I appreciate. I want, I, I enjoy the want to, to separate man from ball, but they also, and I know the, the PFF metrics disagree with me like in terms of his coverage grade, but he was targeted a lot at Auburn. Yeah. Probably, probably because he's not that great in coverage. I know the advanced analytics say he was good in coverage. I didn't see that same thing being displayed on tape. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the metrics are right. I, I have no idea, but um, other than that, uh, I think a big, you know, plus to his game because of the way he wants to hit versus wanting to be a form tackler. He does, if he does get, he does, should he get time with the starters or the, even like the twos and sub packages, you're going to give receivers coming over the middle, something to think about because he plays without regard, like sixth round, maybe back into the fifth, if you really love him. but that's my late round guy. It's not sexy, but it's my prototype in terms of what I enjoy watching. Yeah, no, and I think that's fair. And I think something with Monday, I think that he does have uh, more of a ceiling in pass coverage than we've come to see, at least in my opinion. I think he's a good athlete. I think he's got, you know, solid enough hip fluidity. It's just a matter of can he consistently make the right reads? Can he consistently diagnose play concepts and say, okay, it's this down in distance, this formation, he's probably going to run this. Uh, I think he can speed that up a little bit. But again, I think you – I, I do wonder on his processor a little bit, like, and that's really a nice way of saying he's kind of dumb, but I don't believe that to be true. I think he's just, just slow sometimes in terms of what he's seeing, or maybe he's just reckless. Maybe he's just so worried about getting the big hit that it doesn't matter to him, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and that is something that'll have to be cleaned up, but then again, keeping still maintaining that edge of, I want to knock someone's lights out. You know, that's, that's not a bad thing to have. It's just a matter of you be a little more calculated with it. Then yeah, I do think he can eventually uh, outproduce wherever he ends up getting drafted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with that being said, let's go ahead and move on to the safeties. But before we do that, let's take a quick break and we'll get a word in from our 
people. I don't know who they are, but they're going to be people here that I'm plugging into the ad. Um, and we'll be right back. And we're back. Um, so we're now moving on to, in my opinion, really behind maybe only receiver depending on how you feel about the offensive line class. I think it's probably neck and neck with the offensive line class and the depth and edge, which I just easily the best class in this draft coming up. We have the corners and there's a lot of them this year. And it's going to be interesting to see how the NFL values them. So Jacob, I'll, I'll let you start. Who is because it, it's going to vary. Who is your number one corner in this class? Mine's uh, mine's Sauce Gardner, and for you and I are in lockstep on that. Perfect. And for a while, it was Derek Stingley, but the more twenty twenty one tape I watched on both of those guys, I kind of realized like Stingley's got a lot going for him, but. Gardner not only is also a good athlete, not only is he also lengthy and talented in that regard, but I think there's more consistency there. I think you're looking at uh, just generally, there are more concerns with Singley's profile. Whereas with Gardner, it's weird to say this, you know, for a group of five prospects, I don't, I can't think of someone outside of the power five, not including Notre Dame, because, you know, I still consider them in that realm. I can't think of should. Group, Yeah, I can't, I can't think of a group of five prospect that I've been so sure on, like I am with Ahmad Gardner. Like, when he's had the chance to go up against, you know, like Georgia, Notre Dame, uh, it was Alabama, I believe it was, right? That he, yeah, Alabama yeah. He went up against. He did a very good job against Jameson Williams. When he's been faced with that top tier talent from Blue Blood programs, he's been phenomenal. And you know that's not even including what he's done in the AAC. Uh, just combining the length, the fluidity, the physicality, the instincts, the ball skills. I think you're looking at a potential shutdown corner in the league. So, and that's not a knock on yeah. Sting. I think he's still very good, but I think Gardner's man. I think he's rock solid so something that worries me specifically about stingley is his best production came earlier in his career yeah and i'm not saying like he wasn't good still because he he was in the most updated tape that we had and he didn't really play a ton recently like it it's a lot to really say hey this guy who hasn't played who is only working for the draft recently or doing workouts to get ready for the draft, whatever is the number one corner. Now my pushback on sauce is one thing because of his height, he's a little light. Like it's, he's just gonna have to gain, not have to, but I, I think he should, he could stand to gain five, six pounds, make himself just a little more heavy. But I also Maybe it's just me when I watch him. I really like him as almost a pure zone corner where you yeah. allow him to kind of just use his natural gifts in terms of his physicality and let him kind of just do what he wants. Like, almost essentially, like, make him a bit like Rod, 
Richard Sherman. Like, keep him um, on one side. Let him do what he wants. Keep him in your cover two or your cover four. Whatever it is you run as a zone team out of your out of your sub package or your base, that's where I would prefer to keep him. Like, and I know that feels like devaluing someone, but I don't think people understand how important that is if you get one of those dudes who can be an elite level producer at that position. Yeah, no, so most I, I, I think, and this isn't a perfect comparison, but in watching the two guys play and, you know, I'm grateful for mock draftable. It gives you an opportunity to compare uh, like different uh, like athletic profiles and see who some of the best matches are. One of Ahmad Gardner's top corner pairings is Darius Slay. Oh, that's interesting. I, I haven't looked at his mock draftable. That is definitely interesting. And uh, you're, you're looking at obviously, you know, Gardner's taller than Slay by, you know, like a good inch or two, if I'm not mistaken. But I think that, again, I think that Gardner's the type of guy, put him a lot in zone. I think he can hold his own in man. Uh, he is a bit thin. I think he could stand to add a little bit of weight still, and that yeah. might take some time. But the length that you're looking at, the fluidity you're looking at, just how intelligent he is. And, I the, think- and the speed. and the yeah. and, and so I have a theory and you might think I'm nuts. I might've brought it up last year. I can't remember, but I have this theory that wide receivers and corners almost need to have a certain level of swagger to them or on field, like demonstrativeness because they're in a weird position where they're not really with the team. They're off on their own Island and they operate as such. And it's like that sort of mental make I don't know what it is about it but I think it works out there like the idea of the Terrell Owens clip where he's screaming at people I'm open I'm always open I don't mind that (laughs) in fact I would almost prefer it because you have to have that mentality you're you're relying on somebody else to bring the football game to you yeah like it's such a weird thought process I have I feel like but I I, I think Sauce has that that makeup to where I think he's going to be good no matter what. And it's actually why I think when I brought up all the stuff about zone, I think him and Lovey are like, that's like a match made in heaven. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that the more I look at it, I would be surprised if Sauce falls out of the top five because – there's a lot of talk about him. You know, maybe he goes three. I mean, nobody really knows what the Texans are going to do at three. Uh, and there's a lot of talk about him maybe at four to the Jets. I think that's another landing spot. They need a cornerback one for their defense. And mm-hmm. as tempting as it might be to get an offensive tackle, uh, you know, if Evan Neal falls, if Ike McWanu's there, uh, you can make the argument. But I think that Gardner's a dude. Most certainly. And yep. we'll see what happens where he ends up. But I do feel confident that wherever he lands, he's the type of guy who can make an impact from day one. Yeah. All right. So I guess we we kind of poo-pooed away Derek Stingley, or I did at least. Let's cover <laughs> him a little bit. Um, and there's really nothing else to say other than he's a really good athlete. 
Yeah. Like that is his niche, his niche, niche, niche. I don't know how to say it. I'm, I'm not a scholar. <laughs> so I say niche, I say niche, but every time I say it, I get really like caught up. I'm like, wait, is it niche? Is it niche or niche? niche? What, what is it? And it's that that and like soda or pop. I get really in my head about okay, what do I say <laughs> and Now I've gotten to the point where I don't know what I say, and it's it terrifies me. But I, I think I think I say soda. I think I say soda. I say pop. So that's, you're wrong. That, yeah, right. No, <laughs> I mean I was gonna. That's say, not how it works. <laughs> I was gonna say to each their own, but you decided to take the divisive way and be like, nope, I'm right, you're wrong. And now I'm like, okay, <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. So I think for me, I I, I know it's probably Derek Singley's quite easily the best, the second best corner in this class. Um, like I said, it's all about his athleticism. He is. Yeah. It, it shows on tape. It pops up all over the place. He's got really good hips. He's able to close fast. He gets he you know he gets in the face of receivers. He doesn't like he doesn't get beat deep. You know his feet are really good. He it's you know it sounds like and then you look at the other side of it and you're like he's a despite getting in the face of receivers he's a really bad tackler like a really bad tackler <laughs> and he's always hurt yeah he missed significant time last year and the year prior and i almost want to say like the way i feel about sauce being like you're going to get the most out of him as a zone corner or like a primary zone corner i think stingley's the opposite where he is more in the mold almost of like where you could like I'm hesitant to say Jalen Ramsey because I've never seen anything like that guy before. Um yeah. but um but almost in that vein where you can say, all right, go follow him. Here here's your guy, follow him around, do not let him catch the football. And he he comes from bloodlines, his dad his dad, Derek Stingley Sr., I believe played in the Canadian League. And we're learning more and more, it feels like, as time goes on, that bloodline and lineage in sports matters. They yeah. know how to coach it. They, they've got the, the genetic set. They, they grow up around it. You know, it, like what was the story a couple of years ago where Antoine Winfield Jr. came out of Minnesota and he had been watching tape with his dad, Antoine Winfield Sr., who's one of the better corners of his generation since the time he was eight years old. Antoine Winfield was a great football player. Not good. He was great. And now his son is fantastic. So, like, it's things like that you have to really consider. And I think Stingley's got a lot working for him. He just he has to shore up on his tackling, in my opinion. The athleticism is going to play up. The, the technique is going to play up. He's got tremendous feet, like I said, tremendous hips. But he got he and he has to stay healthy. I don't know what it is if he's made of glass. I don't. I, I hate the term injury prone, but that's really what he's been. He's shown, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think you summed it up perfectly, so I won't dwell on him too much. But fluidity is insane. Ball skills are insane. He's smart. He's athletic. Uh, but again, I think that he is a bit thin. Uh, and you look at the injuries that he's had the last couple of years, there's not a bunch of tape on him. And granted that 2019 tape is some of the best I've ever seen for a cornerback, but 
what is he now? I don't think there's as much of a sample size where you can look at and say, okay, I feel 100% confident this guy is going to be as good as he was in 2019 going forward. So for that reason, I think he does fall out of the top 10. Uh, I have him as a top 10 player on my board, but I think that with concerns with injury and his, you know, lack of recent tape, I think he could slip a little bit. If he goes in the, like the early teens, like anywhere from like 12 to 15, I think is a fantastic place to take a shot on him. Uh, I don't want to, to approve of this, but I think Minnesota at 12 is a fantastic landing spot for him. I would have to agree with you. Maybe even in Houston at 13. Cause I know there were talks like early, early on of him going early to Houston. If Hear me out. Lovey Smith locks down the outside. Oh, goes sauce at three, Stingley at thirteen. Oh, <laughs> see, uh, they have a bunch of needs, but that would be so so tough to stop, man. Oh my, that would just be absurd use of resources. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and hey, they've got they've got another second rounder. They've got some stuff they can work with. Thirty seven, you can take like a, and they've clearly the figured out the quarterback position. Just ask Davis Mills. Davis Mills, yeah, he's he's the guy. Uh, but I, I don't know. <laughs> For those who can't pick up on sarcasm, that was Jacob in his sarcastic voice. <laughs> oh man, I, I don't want I, Davis Mills catching too many strays, man. But I don't know. I, I think okay. that, I, I think Singley's a talented player. Uh, I, I think we want to wrap that part up before I start crapping on Davis Mills anymore. <laughs> Okay, who's number three, Jacob? We're going to get through the top six like we did the last time, and then we'll we'll move on to the mid-round guys we like, and then the late yeah, round we'll finish up. Sure. Yeah, so my number three is Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson. And okay. there are a handful of guys I think you can make a legit argument for, uh, but I'm still high on Booth. I think that uh, he's the type of guy you look at from a ball skills perspective, might be the best in this class. You look at someone who can attack the ball, who can enter the frame of a receiver, uh, not only, you know, bat away, you know, balls thrown his way, but he can also attack the ball in the air. And, you know, when deep routes are thrown his way, he does a good job of getting underneath it. Uh, fluid hips, good athlete. I think he's still improving a little bit in terms of his uh, diagnosing abilities. And for that, I think he might be better suited in a little bit more of a man heavy role, at least early on in his career, while he still works on his processing and zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's a lot to like with him. I think he's a solid tackler too. Uh, you know, brings good overall physicality. I don't know where he goes, but again, because again, I think that outside of the top two corners, it's just more of a, you know, pick your poison type of guy, whatever you look for the most in a corner is what you get. And there are several guys I think have a legit argument of being CB three in this class, but my guy's going to be booth. I think, I, you know, I have a round one grade on him. I think he's someone I'd be comfortable taking in the first, you know, definitely the first 20, I'd feel comfortable taking him maybe 15, depending on the board. But uh, I, I really like, I really like Booth and I think I might be a bit higher on him the most. Uh, you're definitely higher on him than I am. <laughs> um, I think when it's all said and done and, you, you can choose to disagree with me or agree with me. I really like Kyrie Elam. Um, yeah. And, 
And that's who I'm leaning towards. And again, I, I really factor age in when I'm evaluating. Yeah. And, e- and Elam's not even 21 yet. He's not mm. 21 till post draft. So he he's probably going to end up my number three. Um, but to put it, he's a big physical cornerback. He's I want to say he's just under six two. He's just a he's like five five to ten pounds under two hundred pounds. Um, but it's like for the way the receivers are becoming these big, strong, fast athletes. Elam I think is more in the vein of where they need to be going or where they will be going here soon. Yeah. He is, he is a bit maddening on tape um, because he doesn't – for as big and strong as he is, he does lack athleticism. He's not like the most ridiculous athlete there is. Yeah. But for what he lacks in that, he's got – you know – for what he lacks in suddenness is what I should say. He make, makes up for like in fluidity. He, he, he runs and carries well. He um, he's actually really coordinated. If you look at him, like some guys, when they're backpedaling and stuff, they're really high or up over themselves and not really in the correct position. Elam, I didn't see that a lot with him. He really kind of is, he's coordinated. <laughs> it sounds really yeah. dumb. We were talking about high level athletes. <laughs> some guys just lack coordination. Like it's just the nature of it. Um, with, I, I also, again, I said physical, not afraid to come up in the run game. He's going to put a hat on you. He's going to try to bring you down. He's going to rally to the football. Something, those things, again, maybe it's the coach in me. I've coached football, I guess some of our listeners I'm sure know, and I bring it bring it up probably once every fourth, third or fourth episode or whatever. <laughs> but he, he rallying to the football and being willing to put a hat on somebody matters, and he does that. So for that reason – I think he's going to end up being and finalizing it or at, when it's all said and done and finalized. I think Kyrie Elam is going to be my number three corner. I think he is NFL ready. He's a press. I think he probably fares better given his build as a press man corner and lack of athleticism. But I'm trying to think of like who I, who I would be like a shades of guy. Um, Maybe a little bit like greedy coming out of LSU. Okay. You know, like, it, am I out? Of, am I am I crazy town with that? Uh, I don't know. Like don't think, similar. I yeah, I think there's some similarities there in terms of the build and the ball skills and the you know the fluidity. I think that. Uh, fluidity... I mean, greedy was fa- greedy was faster, much yeah. faster. Yeah, but um, the the physicality and stuff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree. I think that there's a lot of similarities there, and. I have uh, Kyrlam as my. Is it, I should know by now. Is it Elam? Elam. I said Elam. I I don't. Yeah. I'd have to look into it, but he might be related to Matt Elam, who was a safety who came out of Florida years back. Yeah, I want to. I I'd, ha- I'd have to look into it. I'm not sure, but I want to say it's Elam. That's his uncle. Oh, Matt, it's his uncle. So there. Matt's his uncle. Yeah. There you go. That, that answers that, but yeah, no. So I, I do think that he's kind of fallen behind a little bit in this class just because of, again, prospect fatigue, everyone. And again, I, I, I also might just be higher on him. It, 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 it happens. Like I said, it, at nauseam, it's, it, it's art. It's not science. It's why we all 
look at players differently despite some of the similarities we all seem to have at the top of our boards. Yeah, no, most certainly. I think that there's, again, with this corner class, it's a lot of pick your flavor, pick what you want at this position. And with Elam, there's again a lot to like there. There's the length, there's the fluidity, there's the willingness to be physical. I think that, you know, he, there were concerns a little bit about maybe a straight line speed. He ran really well at the combine. I was genuinely impressed. Uh, and I, I really wonder about that though. Cause I really believe that was a fast track. Yeah. 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 No. And I get that. I think that, you know, they change things up. It's like, Hey, uh, you might be leaving Indy soon. Just saying we have a fast track here. Guys are going to run well. They're going to test well. Uh, but yeah, no, I think generally, I'd, I'd be fine taking him round one. I think he goes round two personally, but I think, Probably. I think there's a legit argument that could be made that, you know, you could start this guy outside uh, and take him somewhere in the twenties. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, who's up next for you, Jacob? All right. So up next for me is Trent McDuffie out of Washington. That's okay. who I have as my cornerback. Yeah. Trent, Trent's, Trent's Trent's there for me as well. And yeah, and I look at him and I I'll dig into it too with Roger McCreary, who, you know, spoiler, he's my next guy. But he was he was who I was gonna bring up next because I actually have so four for me is like I or three for me is like I said, Elam. Four is McCreary, five I have as or no, I'm sorry, one Continue. I got to get my thoughts together. <laughs> yeah, so Jeez, I just up. got myself. I got a bamboozle myself. <laughs> well, while you, while you sort that out, because uh, I do want to hear what you have there, but you know, so I, I have McDuffie and there are concerns with arm length with him, with McCreary. Uh, I think you can't go wrong with either guy, but in terms of McDuffie, I think you're looking at a guy with very fluid hips. I think he's the type of guy who's, you know, athletic enough to play in, you know, the zone heavy schemes, uh, which I mean, granted is a lot of schemes, but I think that uh, he's one of the better zone guys in this class. And even that he's still developing in terms of his instincts. I think he's just a very good athlete with the, again, the coordination, the redirectability, the footwork, just the pure speed to, you know, mirror route concepts and to, you know, jump in on plays if need be. And, for someone who's maybe not the biggest guy, I think he's a solid tackler, actually. And you know, he definitely surpassed my expectations in that regard. So I I think I it's weird because I've seen I've seen McDuffie mocked, you know, as high as the top 15. I've seen him in the teens, I've seen him in the top 10 in some mocks. Uh but I I've also seen him falling into round two. I think he goes like late round one. I think a good argument can be made there, but either way, he's a baller for sure. For sure. Okay. So now that I have my thoughts collected, it was the, it was the talk of McCreary and where, or not McCreary, but it was the talking of uh, McDuffie and then leading to McCreary that got me all like frazzled and bamboozled. So I literally pulled up my spreadsheet of who I've watched where I've got like the number grading on them. Sauce one, Stingley two, Elam three, four is McDuffie, five Booth, six McCreary. Yeah. It was the double it was the double Mick, and then seven Kyler Gordon. So 
McCreary, I know you kind of, you know, you just touched on McDuffie. So McCreary, Um, I really like him because of reasons that don't make sense. He shouldn't be as good as he is. He's got really short arms. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's only, he's short of six foot. He's, he's 190. I know he weighed in at 190 officially, but that dude is, did not play at 190. I don't think, I think that was combine weight or, you know, pro day, whatever you want to call it. He gained the extra weight for the weigh in. Yeah. But all that says he shouldn't be, you know, like as physical as he is or the alpha that he is, or have the, uh, the pass breakups he had, I think he led the nation the last two years in pass breakups. Like he's an antithesis of himself. Like he shouldn't be doing these things yet. He is. And it's awesome. And it makes him thoroughly enjoyable. And I really think he could be like a, a leader of a secondary or a cornerback room at the very least Um, in terms of his mentality and his makeup. I think he plays with really good athleticism on tape. I, I don't have his combine in front of me, but I, I will pull it up. Um, I, I don't know. I find his tape to be thoroughly enjoyable, and I really kind of like him more as the like a kick-ass nickel than I do outside. Yeah. But he's got good ball skills. He he breaks, he, and, he, and he plays in run support. He's just small, and he has yeah. short arms. And he, <laughs> I, I think one of the big issues that I watched with him is he tends to, and I think it's because of lack of functionality in his hips, he tends to open up and give away when he's, when he's playing, ba- he's almost like playing bail technique before he needs to play bail technique, yeah. or even when it's not called for. He's just opening up and letting himself fly because it's like he's, it's compensation. So I, I don't know. I love him. He's so much fun to watch. Um, I would be more than happy with him being in Chicago if that were to ever be the case. But I'm not sitting here saying, yeah, take him 39 or take him 48. No, you could probably trade back or even get him at at not 71 maybe, but in a trade back scenario if you really love him. But I, I don't know. His tape for me is just fun. Like, and there's just certain guys that do it for you as we've kind of gone over each each episode. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I don't know if you, you know, looked it up there while, while uh, you were talking, but what did, what did he run into at the, at the combine? I was, I, don't, I, I was don't trying to run. pull that up, but I was too busy talking and kind of getting excited. <laughs> no, I got you. But cause I'm trying, I think it was, it was okay. From what I remember, I, I just don't remember the, uh, it, not great cotton. Um, what was it? Four, four, five, four, five flat, four, five, four, five flat with, okay. with a one point. I mean, the 10 yard splits, the best, it was one, five, eight, 10 yard split, which for nickel coming down and closing hard downhill, that's, that's pretty good. That yeah. it's not great, but it's good. And to, and this, this number will, for anyone who's an avid weightlifter, his bench, he repped out 225 19 times. For those who don't know, short arms, easier to rep out big numbers on bench. Just range of motion. Yeah. It's yeah, what it is. Exactly. And now I'm I have very similar thoughts with you on McCreary and you know, size be damned, arm length be damned. 
uh, while you're t- I did pull it up, and he has zero percentile arm length and one percent wingspan. So that's literally <laughs> so little T Rex. So what he what he is is the T Rex making his bed in the morning. If you're ever having a bad day, folks, just picture a T-Rex trying to make his bed. It is the funniest damn thing to think about. Oh, my God. But yeah, no, I – all that aside, his tape is just so much fun. And I think he'd be a perfect fit in the nickel. And I, he, he made his money outside, but you get that type of guy in Chicago in the nickel. I think fans are going to eat it up because – He plays with, like you said, that alpha edge. He's got that baller mentality. He wants to be, you know, he wants to go up against the best guy each and every snap. He's got, you know, good ball skills, good instincts. He's physical. He's really good in man coverage. So Uh, what you're saying is they need to draft both him and Brian Cook and just really make over the secondary. Oh, See if their <laughs> offense if their offense wasn't as bad as it was, I would be all <laughs> dude. I would be doing backflips. Hell, I'd probably be doing backflips if that happened in real life. Like trade back with one of those round two picks, get a receiver, get McCreary, and then get Brian Cook and like late round three, round like, four, like, maybe like the like the fourth round. Yep. I oh okay, just okay. completely remake the. Uh the mentality of your defense <laughs> bear with me here bear with me here so this is so 39 stay put get like a george pickens 48 sure. maybe you move back a little bit somehow get mccreary round three take cole strange out of chattanooga round four brian cook there you go what do you think about yeah, I, I, I might be – that might just be my own little, uh, like, fantasy or whatever. I don't know if – And then round know. five, then round five, you take, I don't know, say Romeo Dubs falls because he could. Ooh, he could. Or get, like, a, a Taekwon Thornton or – hell, take – Yeah, the, there you go. Ty, yeah. Be a little more realistic. Taekwon – and then sixth round, go, go get your James White. Go get Kyron Williams. If Kyron Williams falls to round six, and like, here's the thing. I know this isn't a running back episode, and <laughs> we still have our amazing folks, right now, guys. And, and, folks, this is what happens when you get two draft nuts together. This is what happens. <laughs> yeah, like, we come in with, like, this idea, like, oh, okay, we're going to talk strictly corners and safeties. But, you know, and I've, you know, now we're talking about Kyron Williams. We're talking about running backs. And I went on I went on rant about <laughs> – Oh, okay. who, who was it earlier in the show that I went on a rant about at uh, a different position? Oh, Kayvon. Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon, yeah. Yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau. And now here we are talking about Kyron Williams. But, yeah, no, before we get ahead of ourselves, uh, yeah, McCreary's a stud. If if he falls in round two, I, I'd take a shot on him if I'm the Bears, even if he's not the best scheme fit. I just think that dude's a baller. All right. And so I'm going to leave him to you because I know he's been your guy out of UTSA in the middle rounds mm. was initially a late round guy, but I'll let you have him. Go ahead. Talk about him. Talk about your boy. Okay. Talk, so it, it's fine. Tariq Woolen. All right. So I, I, I don't even, I know you Jacob. I don't even have to <laughs> think that I can have him. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> and I'll just, I'll just point out for what it's worth. Uh, I know we talked a little bit, uh, 
we both actually have uh, Kyler Gordon as our seventh corner. And I, I know that, you know, we won't talk Nickel. a ton about him, but I think, again, he's a stud. I think he's, he is a good player. Uh, take him on day two, uh, maybe a little bit late on that train, maybe later than some, but again, good athlete in a vacuum. Nick, nickel only, right? You don't, you don't see him playing outside. I, I, when I watch him, I, I feel like he's nickel only. But I think I think nickel's a good fit because I think that uh, he's better in a vacuum in those short area movements than he is in a lot of space. So you know, I think that's definitely a good fit for him. But anyway, I think he goes round two just for what it's worth. But Tariq Woolen, I'll bring up here. I don't know where he goes in the draft because there are times where he it is pretty clear he doesn't know what he's doing, but hear me out here. I, I pulled up his mock draftable just for, you know, just for laughs. 99th percentile height at corner. He's 6'4", 205 pounds, 90th percentile. Wingspan, 78 and 5 eighths, 92nd percentile. Arm length, 33 and 5 eighths, 97th percentile. Ran a 4-2-6 yard dash. That's 99th with a vertical of 42 inches. That's 97th. Dude is a physical specimen, and even if he, he's newer to the position, you know, he started off as a receiver, so he's still obviously developing. Mm-hmm. But you have that length, you have that athleticism, you have the ability to attack the ball like he does. The sky's the limit for him. Is there bust? Yeah. There's bust potential 100%. I, there's a chance he's the worst corner in this class, but there's also a chance that he's. I was going to say, it doesn't worry you at all that the dude clearly has no idea what he's doing. He's just (laughs) playing football. Like, it's just kind of like he showed up one day and was like, hey, guys, I'm going to play football today. Do you have any idea what you're doing? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's, yeah, that's the thing with Tariq is very clearly a work in progress. I don't think he sniffs the starting lineup as a rookie. It might take him three years to crack the starting lineup as a full-time guy. But once he does, if you coach him up correctly, teach him what he's doing, and he's able to process that, you have a potential monster on your hands, man. He's There's no one like him. Like, all the big dudes aren't that athletic. Like, I mean, there's good athletes, don't get me wrong, but they're not like that, you know? <laughs> Oh, whatever. Okay, I'm going to move on to my mid-round guy. And it's another freak show. Very small school. UTSA is small, but the school I'm jumping to is even smaller. That's Zion McCollum. Ooh. Zion is quite literally maybe the best athlete at the corner position in this draft. And that's staying something when we just covered Tariq Woolen. Yeah. And, you know, we have Derek Stingley Jr. in his class as well. But... Uh, Zion is six foot two, 200 pounds. He's got a 40 inch or just short of a 40 inch vert, an 11 foot flat broad jump. He ran a 4.33 yard, 40 yard dash. (laughs) He had a 1.46, 10 yard split. His short shuttle was 3.94 seconds. And his three cone was 6.48 seconds. This dude is unreal. (laughs) And in terms of his physical measurables, his issue, if anyone who's listened to me, what do I hate? I hate 
when you don't play good competition. It yeah. doesn't ma- mean he's not good. It doesn't mean I don't think he can be good. It means he has a bigger jump than people from the SEC or Big Ten or people in Division One football. Sam Houston is the subdivision one. That is a small school. That is a small football program. But, I mean, it, the, the stuff all matches up. His footwork, his hips, his his. Like, you know, I decided his short, subtle, and change of direction drills. It all shows on tape. He's able to mirror and run with receivers. He he carries the route runners. He he really – I mean, he's still a work in progress in terms of, like, understanding a lot of times what he's doing or why he's doing it. But he's a playmaker. He's – he got double-digit interceptions in his career, defended more than upwards of 40 or 50 passes, like – and he's downhill and physical. So it's rare to me, at least when you watch to find a guy who both has ball production and the ability to step up and put a stick his face in, in the run game. I am all about Zion McCollum. I think that dude could be, if you get him the right coaching and give him the right environment to thrive in, you may have an otherworldly player on your hands. I just don't know what his, I don't know what the perfect place is. Cause you need someone that's, willing to nurture him because he does need some stuff to be helped out. He needs it's technique based. Like I said, he he's all fluid, but he wins on pure athleticism. And the, the fact that he really is a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. Like, I don't no. know how, how else to explain it. <laughs> and I will say like, I, when I watched him on tape, obviously his athleticism stands out. Even then I was still surprised. Like you're six two and you're putting up, literally elite agility numbers. Like you, you have to, that's realize, what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you know, as fans, you know, it just like, it makes sense, but what, the taller you are, it can be tougher to sink your hips and to change direction suddenly like that. But that is not an issue for him. And you know, no, but, which is, and like, again, he's a good athlete on tape, but even I was surprised with just how insane those numbers were, but you know, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, competition aside, I think he's still improving in that regard. And I think he's going to have a jump because uh, even at Sam Houston state, there were some, you know, flashes of, you know, processing mm-hmm. issues with him. But so, the, and the one thing that, that, that you got to keep in mind is he, like I said, he won almost exclusively on pure physical ability. The fact that he was just better than people on a, on a physical level, but you hear every year guys making the jump from the best conference in college football, the SEC, saying how much faster and how much better everyone is in the NFL. Yeah. That is a jump that he's got to make, not from Alabama or Auburn, like some of these guys. He's got to do it from Sam Houston State. He's going to require time and patience and nurturing. Yeah. Yeah, no, and – it's definitely a type of guy that you, you know, take on and hope you can develop him down the line. I want, I'm curious, where would you take him? Because I have my answer. I'll, I'll save it until you say yours, but I'm thinking I have a general. I can't, so based on the pure physical talent, I could justify him in three. Okay. Based on tape and what I know the learning curve is, I think fair is probably four, four, yeah. five, top end of five. There, Cause there's, it's such an unknown, but we know how front offices and coaches are. You're yeah. going to see the physical 
just the tape and the physical stuff. And you're going to be like, I can do that. I can fix that. I can, I can make that guy an all pro because every coach thinks that. Yeah. Well, you've got to have that confidence as a coach. And I feel like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like some coach is going to say, Oh, I can, I can work with that. And for that, I agree. I think late round four, early round five is probably where he should go. I could definitely see him going higher though, just because of that upside. Yeah. Um, Let's do, do you want to do one more mid round guy each and then move on to one late guy and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, no, I think that sounds good. Go ahead. Do your other late round or mid round guy. So I'm going to go with someone who I was admittedly a little bit slow to come around on, but the more I've watched on him, the more I followed up on him, the more I've come to like him, the more I think he's a good fit for the bears. And that's Cam Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska. Uh, and he's someone with, I think, positional versatility. You know, I think he's a corner. You could project him as a safety. I wouldn't hate that either. I think he's the type of guy, good ball skills, good straight line speed, physical, uh, good tackler for the for a defensive back, solid size. Uh, he's not the most crisp athlete out there. I think, you know, there's some issues with that on tape sometimes, but He's a guy you're looking at in those middle rounds. Like, say, if he's available in round five, I'd definitely take a shot on him. Uh, even in round four, I think I feel comfortable taking him there. Uh, I just think he's a solid football player, and the ceiling isn't massive by any means, but I think solid starter, you know, solid, you know, stopgap, high-end rotational guy. He's going to have some sort of role in a defense going forward, so... Uh, Cam Taylor Britt, even if he's not the flashiest guy out there, he's just a sound football player. So he's someone that I like in those middle rounds. Okay. And my other mid-round guy. Ah. <laughs> my other mid-round guy is actually Josh Job from Alabama. Mm. Um, so he is 5'11 and a half or so, really slight in his body, though in terms of like his physical build, but he plays a lot stronger than um, you would anticipate given the weight. Um, I really like that he uses his length to his advantage. Like he, you know, puts his hands on people, makes it life hard getting off the line, especially he's, you know, he's a man up bump and run corner, but I really think he could translate well, given his, his disposition to being a good co- a good zone cover corner. Yeah. Um it he's he's a blue collar corner for lack for 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 me trying to think of like a phrase to like describe him. Like he nothing he does is all that flashy. Like he plays off screens well, he plays uptight well, he plays in he plays off pretty well. Like he doesn't do anything that's like holy crap outside of the fact of how hard he comes downhill. Yeah. And I think he's a terrific tackler at the position. Um, and I also think that he has added value being a special teams guy. Should he not contribute early on defense? Yeah. Um, I, I guess if I had to really nitpick and why I think he could be really good in zone is he lacks a lot in the way of hip fluidity and, and the ability to change, change his direction. Um, he, 
he's guessing a lot in his plays. He's not so much like reading, reading and diagnosing is just kind of like playing football and just say, Oh, look what happened. Yeah. Um, he really needs to, he, he really just needs to develop on the acumen side and maybe be, be put in the right position to succeed. Um, like I said, not great feet, not great hips, but he's tough, rugged, in your face, downhill. Honestly, I think if you were, if the bears were to punt on corner, which is in my opinion, a pretty high probability until the fifth round or so just to, you know, get a body that's younger in there. I think Josh Job could be someone they look at theoretically because they, I think they are going to look more at the trenches and offensive guys to start the draft. And someone like Job is worth looking at when you consider what I think he could do well in the NFL and his mental makeup in terms of how he plays the game of football. Yeah. And I'll just say this before we move on to, you know, our, our one late round guy, but I'm interested in hearing what you think. From what I've seen, I think there's a legit argument to be made that Job's the best tackling corner in this class. Um, I would have disagreed with you a couple weeks ago, or a couple couple months ago now, since it's been since I got really down into the you know grinding tape. But uh, I would I would say I agree with you now because of how I had. I'll give you my late round guy now, just because you asked it. Um, Sorry. Um, And it's, he, he's from Clemson. It's the, it's the guy opposite of, of Booth. And that's Mario Goodrich. Mm. Um, Goodrich. I was admittedly the first corner I watched all year in terms of draft eval. Um, And he made a indelible impression on me to the point where I had him in the fourth ish round at one point end of the fourth and then i st- like i said i think this corner class is really good yeah and then all of a sudden i started turning on the other guys and i was like oh <laughs> maybe <laughs> should re reevaluate that yeah <laughs> so so goodrich is another one he's six foot just under, just under six foot and a half um, I know at the combine he weighed in really light, like sub one eighty light, and that was a red flag for me. And then he came back to his pro day and weighed in fifteen pounds heavier. I'm guessing his play weight is somewhere in between those two numbers of one ninety one and one seventy six. So call it one eighty five, one eighty three, something like along those lines. But something I really like is he's for lack. For for the way I would kind of describe him, he's kind of a tough son of a bitch. He doesn't let you get anything easy. He's always kind of working on you. He's making you earn every blade of grass from time to time, so to speak. Um, I do worry that his production is really one-year based. He didn't really play much until his senior year. I'm not sure if that's a him thing or a coaching thing, but that's a red flag to me. But he didn't allow any touchdowns as a senior in his only year starting. And he does really well in terms of like how he handles himself in the run game. He's pretty physical most of the time, which is why I said I would have agreed with you. I would have said that Goodrich is the best tackling corner in this class till I watched 
Job and really had to reevaluate everything in my notes. But yeah. I think Goodrich brings the right mentality. He was a team captain. Um, again, I think he's probably, if he wants the most out of his career, he's probably exclusively like a cover two guy. So yeah. Houston, Houston would do well to get him. The Bears could do well to get him. Anyone who's running more of the, the base, you know, Tampa two, that's, that's where I think his best fit is. I think he's going to make a living on special teams too. You can probably get him in the fifth or sixth round. End of the fifth, early sixth, even is what I meant. But yeah, uh, I, his play speed's fine, not not great, not good. It's fine. Um, he's reactive, he's instinctive, he recovers well, and he's super super aggressive in his tackling and he's in his run support. That's how he's going to make his money, which is why cover two. A lot of your job as a corner is tackling the run game and bottling up the screen game. That's what you do yeah. and funnel everything back in, but. That, that'd be who I would choose in terms of my late round guy, but I think it's almost safe. Like he's not, you're not swinging on testing or physical acumen. You're test, you're, you're drafting someone who's quote unquote safe and who you think can contribute to your team as a football player. Not, not as someone you're developing for down the line. Yeah, no. And I think that's, you know, spot on with Goodrich. I think, you know, you're looking at good fluidity with him, you know, an intelligent player, I have him rated higher than round five. I'll just, you know, I'll say that I do have a high grade on him, uh, like, you know, fringe day two even, but I, I don't know. Wow, exactly. you're a lot. See, I, I thought I was high on him, and then I started <laughs> watching everyone else, and I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, and I, I think he goes, you know, a little bit closer to where you have him, truthfully. So my late round guy is someone that I was late to getting on. He's a small guy. I think he's exclusively nickel, uh, but I think you're looking at someone with very good change of direction ability, good ball skills, who despite being like 5'10", 180, he's scrappy. You know, he's like that scrappy dude, Lemmy Adams sort of thing. Uh, and he's a, he's very fast. I think that's another thing, too, in, in a straight line or that having that deep speed. He's a good athlete, too. Uh, I think, obviously, given a lack of size, given a lack of play strength, uh, he's a decent tackler, but obviously the size, you know, can be an issue for him sometimes. But I think you're looking at someone day, uh, day three, maybe like round six or so. He's someone I'd take a shot on is, you know, slot depth. I think that there's, from a, from an athletic perspective, there are a lot of tools to work with with him. And, you know, size be damned. I, if you have a guy that athletic who plays hard, uh, I'd take a shot on him at least. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I had a weird glitch on my end, but uh, I agree with everything you said. Um, I know I, you couldn't hear me, but I could hear you. Um, But I, it's hard to disagree with you on any of that, but I believe that's about all the time we got for today. Um, We went about our usual because we're doing two position groups of show this year, instead of the, the one that we were doing last year, we're going our usual about 90 minutes. It seems like is our, is our magic number. Yeah. Um, But I think this has been a great, episode we we covered safeties we got through some really good corners tell the folks what you got going on jacob and where they can find you absolutely so it's it's going to be a busy 
uh, next like seven, eight days for me, but you can follow along with all of it over at my Twitter at Jacob Infante 24. Uh, obviously here at Windy City Gridiron, I'll be doing a lot of stuff and uh, over at DraftWire, I'll have some stuff in the works too. So that's where you all can find me and my draft guide again, it's out on Patreon. It's my pinned tweet. So if you haven't subscribed already, uh, I, I recommend checking it out. Maybe a little biased, but yeah, so that's my stuff I got going on. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun week or so. Uh, <laughs> very busy, but man, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Awesome. Uh, so you got the draft guide. Where can they find you on the Twitter? Oh, no, no. I mentioned at uh, Jacob Infante 24. Oh, just I blanked. Sorry. Wife texted <laughs> me. Um, and you guys can find me on the Twitter bird app thingy at Dan, Dan Meehan. The number is nine zero after it. Um, we'll get back at you in a couple days. We got wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs to go through, as well as I think interior linemen on the defensive side. So only a couple episodes left, but it's going to be good. We got some stuff and things going on. Indeed. Stuff (laughs) and things. All right, Jacob, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, my friend, and enjoy Bloomington, Indiana, because nothing does (laughs) – Nothing that happens there isn't exciting, right? Yeah, no, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm excited to head down there. It's been a while, but I'm uh, I'm looking forward to going down. I got a long ass trip ahead of me, but it should be a good time. Should be good. And I've realized right. I'll, I'll stop talking as you take a big chug of your water. So there's that awkward silence that I'm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in, as always, folks. Give us a rating. Give us a listen. Give us feedback on the Twitter. If you think Jacob and I are both idiots, feel free to tell us. If you think we're both geniuses, <laughs> we know you're lying, but we, we'll, we'll take the ego stroking. All right. Let's get out of here, Jacob. Take it easy, man. <laughs>